This is Making Stitches, and this time Joanne Scrace from The Crochet Project shares her story from hobbyist to professional designer and explains why she believes there's always room for more designers to inspire us with their patterns. I have an abundance mindset. Um, I think that the more people that come into the craft and add their own individual voices to it, the better the craft is and the more there is for everybody. Because if you've got more people seeing beautiful stuff online, they're then going to come and find everybody else. So I don't want to pull up any drawbridges. I want to be letting them down and sharing how how you can design, um, how you can improve your skills, how you can be a part of the industry if that's what you choose. Hello and welcome to Making Stitches podcast. I'm Lindsay and I'm so happy you've chosen to listen to the podcast today. It's great to have your company. After an interesting look behind the scenes at the People's History Museum's fabric conservation work last time, it's the turn of crochet to be under the spotlight and Joanne Scrace from The Crochet Project in particular. The Crochet Project's aim is to design and write beautiful modern crochet patterns using fantastic natural yarns and with a strong leaning towards inclusion. Their patterns offer a wide range of sizes to fit all bodies and offer directions for left-handed crocheters where that's necessary, as well as avoiding gender assumptions in the patterns too. Once a partnership between herself and Kat Golden, which spawned 14 books of crochet patterns, the Crochet Project is now a one-woman operation and has recently, since we recorded our chat just a few weeks ago, introduced a new membership hub, a site where members can access patterns, tutorials, crochet along, support and chat with like-minded crocheters away from the noise of social media. And I have some very interesting news about the hub, which I'll be sharing with you at the end of this episode. So please do stay tuned right to the end. I'm thrilled that Joanne was able to take some time away from her work to speak to me for Making Stitches podcast. Here's our chat now. Joanne, let me take you back to when it all first started for you. When did crochet become part of your life? Um, So it's when my children were little and it all started with two incidents. So one, I wanted to make some baby booties for a friend's... um, baby I can't remember which one now lost in the rest of the time um and I was trying to knit them and they're so fiddly to knit they're really it's all tiny bits or turning corners and at that point I was really afraid of picking up stitches and knitting as well um and then the other thing that happened is my then toddler son pulled a knitting needle out of I think there's about 300 stitches on the row and I didn't really know at that point how to put stitches back on and neat. I mean, I could do it, but I didn't understand about the way they lay. Mm. So I knew that if that happened to you, you'd have a row of wonky looking stitches. Yeah. So my knitting experience and the feeling that there must be a better way led me to the library and the local yarn shop to buy a hook and to get out a book of Teach Yourself Crochet because I thought one loop has got to be the way forward. (laughs) 
Absolutely. I can't imagine what must have gone through your mind when that knitting needle came out of all those stitches. I don't oh. know if he learnt a new word at that point, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Oh my word. Do you know, it's funny you should say that actually. It was when my when my children were, were like sort of toddler stage that I first picked up crochet because when you're knitting and you're constantly being interrupted, your tension goes so wonky and you can tell where you've you've had a good run and then it's had to stop for a while. But with, with crochet, I found you've got one loop on a hook and yeah. it's so portable. It's wonderful when you're at that point in your life when you've only got little snatches of time here and there. Yeah, you don't feel compelled to finish the row in the same way as you do with knitting because you haven't got that sort of um, the need to get it all onto one needle. So, yeah, I found that really useful. And crochet was just so quick to pick up. I think, I don't know whether it's just as a knitter or um, because it just spoke to me straight away but I found it so easy to pick up and I think my second project was a skirt wow so, you know it was <laughs> straight I didn't in make the baby booties <laughs> never mind it wasn't meant to be but it set you off on an interesting journey that's for sure I have made baby booties since but yeah they did though that I think that became a blanket again slightly lost in the midst of time now but yeah <laughs> So it's no longer just a hobby for you, though. It is your it is your full time no, business. That's quite a leap. Yeah, full time job. Yes, um, it all happened in stages, though. You know, it's a real process of um, it turning from a hobby into a bit of pin money into the full time income for my household. So, yeah, it's been. I started in. I started crocheting in 2009 um, and I, it became a job at least some um, amount in 2011. Wow, so only two years from first first picking up yes. a hook to actually making <laughs> yeah. money from it. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, quite the shock. Um but it kind of answered the question because at that point I didn't really know what I was going to do um, with the rest of my life. I'd um, I've been on um, sort of a child a leave to have children. Um, I'd moved around so I couldn't go back to my old job, um, so I wasn't on maternity leave. But I, you know, I didn't have work. I was a full time mum, and I didn't know quite what I was going to do or how I was going to do it so falling into it all was quite nice. <laughs> Absolutely it came along at the right time for you didn't it? Yes yeah. So so how was it how did it tip over then from just having a dabble to actually thinking actually I think I could make a go of this? Um, I was going to teach I think an evening class at the local college um and so I, I started sort of looking into um doing that and that that didn't run actually but I began blogging about crochet and what I was doing because I think 
After that first skirt I made, I don't think I followed another pattern. I couldn't really find things that I liked at the time. I wanted to make for me, that was always my driving force. And I couldn't really find patterns that interested me. Um, so I was kind of looking, here's a knit pattern that I like the look of. How can I do that in crochet? Um and sort of, you know, taking information about the sizing and stuff. So, yeah, I digress. But I, I was, I was making up patterns on the fly, and I was also looking at um, sort of vintage patterns was a big interest at the time, and I was recreating some vintage patterns from photographs or from really crazy vintage instructions and sort of noting down how I did that so you know it was 2011 every man and his dog had a blog so I put that into a blog um, and from that I was offered some writing work um, for a magazine so that's how it all began really oh, wonderful. and started teaching at the local yarn shop as well from the off the back of that blog mm. too Oh, that's wonderful. And then it was just slowly grew over time, did it, from that place onwards? Yes. Yeah, I started teaching regularly, started writing for magazines. Um, I met Kat Golden in a Ravelry forum. And um, I I was thinking that I'd like to become a tech editor because that used a lot of my skill set um, and I approached her and asked if I could tech edit some of her patterns for free to get some experience. And uh, she said, yes, that would be great. And then shortly after that, we'd sort of struck up an online friendship. Shortly after that, she got offered a book deal and she'd been asked to find her own technical editor. And she asked me and I said, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not actually a technical editor because I'm just trying to learn to be a technical editor. And she said, yeah, no, but, you know, I don't really feel like I'm a writer either. <laughs> so, <laughs> I really like working with you. Let's do it. Let's wing it together. Marvellous. Do you know, it's funny that so many people I speak to feel the same. <laughs> it's like, this is what I'm aspiring to be, but I'm not actually there yet. But no doubt you are. Just for the for the uninitiated, what is a tech editor? Oh, so tech editor, they uh, make sure that everything in the pattern works as it's expected. Now, that's not done through making. That's done through the pure maths. So a tech editor will parse the pattern like it's computer code and check that the um, numbers make sense. So if you've got an increase, is that reflected in the stick? count if you if you've got sort of a complicated pattern working over the stitches have you actually got enough stitches on the previous row to work what you've been asked to work um then if it's garments etc they'll get into sizing so the do the instructions make the size garment that the designer has said that they will and um they'll also look at you know is that the best way to write something um i used to do a lot of tech editing I don't do it at the moment but I'm still hugely passionate about it it sounds like alchemy to me <laughs> some kind of magic like not it's having a mathematical a head... brain 
Yeah, so I came from a computer science background. Um, I was a tester and a program manager in the software industry beforehand. So crochet patterns are kind of like code. You know, it is like it, it, the, pers- the thing you're programming is a person. Mm-hmm. Um, so that introduces its own issues, right? Because, you know, the person isn't as reliable as the computer. It won't just follow what it's been asked to do. Uh, but it has the same sort of issues in that the patterns have to, or as the code would have to be, they have to be as unambiguous as possible mm. to make sure that they can be they will be followed correctly the most number of times as you intended it to be. Marvellous. So clearly from a computing background, you have the right kind of uh, brain processes to be able to interpret the patterns. Yes, I think so. so I mean, I wasn't formally trained in that either. My whole career is a series of things that I haven't been formally trained in (laughs) that I end up falling for. Fabulous. Well, it takes you down interesting pathways, though, doesn't it, on the way? It certainly does. (laughs) So that was the beginning of your relationship with Kat Golden then? Yes, yeah. The tech editing and and, and helping her with her book, and obviously that um, grew into a partnership for the Crochet Project. Yes, yes. After we finished the book, we um, said... But we don't want it to end. Um, so we decided we were going to launch something together. And it just felt like a really great fit because our skill sets aligned. She was great at the visuals. I was great at the technical side. Um, we both had a very similar design aesthetic that we wanted to create beautiful wearable things. We wanted to use the nicest yarns. Um there's a lot of people doing this really well now but at the time there wasn't people uh, crochet was seen as something that you did in a big box yarn you you used a cheap acrylic it was too yarn hungry to crack out the nice hand dyed yarns for um it was generally made from things that were quite square without shaping whereas knitting had you know all this finesse to it it had lots of interesting modern patterns it used shaping techniques it used this beautiful yarn and we could see that crochet could be that so we wanted to take all of the wonderful things we loved and other people in the market loved about knitting and apply it to crochet so we both had this shared pattern for that so it was a great fit absolutely and uh, you went on to you you've had more than that one book together haven't you oh yeah so that um that book was written so the one that we first started working on was written through a publisher mm. um so that was kind of separate to the crochet project um but then within the crochet project we were self-publishing all our books and yeah I think we're up to about 14 that we wrote together wow gosh me that's an awful lot of work I can't can't imagine how much work and you know real sort of inspiration and hours and hours and hours of work that have gotten into that many books that's incredible yeah it's well you know we were working together from 2013 um through till last year so you know it was a good nine years of work 
um, in that. But yeah, and once you get into the flow of writing and self-publishing books, you know, it it's a it's a process and it's an ongoing thing. It's you you get into a groove of it all. And I've noticed looking back at your your original blog, um, Not So Granny, that you even back then, when you were in your early days, you were very much about sharing your experiences as a designer and, and sort of lifting the veil on, on what goes on behind the scenes, be it from pricing your own work and, and, and trying to get work published yourself. That's clearly something that you're you're very passionate about, it being inclusive and letting as many people in as you can. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, that, I have an abundance mindset. Um, I think that the more people that come into the craft and add their own individual voices to it, the better the craft is and the more there is for everybody. Because if you've got more people, seeing beautiful stuff online they're then going to come and find everybody else so I don't have I don't want to pull up any drawbridges I want to be letting them down and sharing how how you can design um, how you can improve your skills how you can be a part of the industry if that's what you choose that's wonderful because I'm sure there are so many people who'd like to follow suit and, and follow the path that you've taken yourself and and have a go at designing too because i guess the possibilities are infinite aren't they of, of what can be designed and and the dis- different yarns and everything that can be used there's there's no finite end to the possibilities no absolutely not and everyone's going to have their own Oh, it sounds design voice. I always want to put air quotes around this sort of thing. I'm really not comfortable talking like a designer ever. But yeah, everyone will have their own design voice and bring something unique to the party. At the moment, I'm running an online course called Crochet Your Ideas, and it's designed for people not necessarily who want to be a designer but people who don't want to follow a pattern anymore they've got all these ideas buzzing around their heads and they want to learn how to take an idea all the way from just that sort of random fleeting design into being a finished item Um, and the drawings and the ideas that everyone's coming out with it's so incredible to watch it's just so lovely to nurture them through those stages and what kind of items are your students creating is it purely garments or is it other things as well uh, so I think most of them are going for garments, some of them are going for shawls, but the focus for the course is on wearables, so it covers a lot of making to wear, um, about how to get garment, um, the wearable fabrics, which is another massive passion of mine, that um, I think the reason why people haven't wanted to use crochet for garment making as much in the past is because they see it as being quite a stiff medium. Um And, you know, if you took a hook and a ball of yarn and you used the hook size that the ball of yarn said, you worked all in UK double crochet, yeah, that's going to be like a really stiff piece of fabric. That's going to stand up on its own pretty much. (laughs) Um, But a lot of my passion through the years has been trying to teach people that's not it, that don't you don't have to do that kind of crochet 
you can add so much drape to it. You can have beautiful flowing garments. You can um, you can make it wearable. It doesn't have to be lacy and holy or thick, solid stand-up fabric. There's so much in between that. Yeah, it's experimentation and hook size and different yarns and everything. The world's your oyster. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, you mentioned that your um, partnership with Kat came to an end last year and you're now flying solo with the Crochet Project. How's that going? It it was scary and sad and inevitable. Uh, Kat has a farm. She also completely lost the crochet mojo over the years uh she'd broken her wrist in a couple of places and couldn't crochet for several years so i've been doing all of the design side for a little while at that point and she just needed the time back to concentrate on her farm business so uh we still speak all the time and in fact we we do coaching calls with each other to like help each other in our businesses still because obviously he knows it better than she does um but you know I've really embraced it I've really enjoyed taking the business and having no limitations on it not the cat ever stopped me doing anything I ever wanted to but there's just something about it being just for you and not having to worry about what what kind of work anybody else wants to do just saying this is the work I want to do and this is where I'm going to run with this business now is freeing and you know it's been an exciting year and a bit actually I've got big plans too how exciting can you share any of them or are they top secret oh I could share with you So I, lately I've been really interested in the teaching side. So um, producing tutorials, um, supporting a lot of the designing I've already done and sharing the knowledge that I've built up over my time, both in the industry and as a crocheter. So one of the things that I'm working towards at the moment is a membership site that will be... I think it's going to be called The Hub, but it might not be. That could change. Uh, The Hub is going to just be a place where you can get all of that information in one place. Um, You'll be able to get a stitch library full of videos. I don't know about you, but when I go onto YouTube to look up a video, I don't want to listen to the five minutes of preamble that they have to include in their videos to get the watch time up to get the adverts in you know I understand why they preamble but I don't want to watch it Mm. I want to go this is how you do a foundation double crochet and I want to see someone do a foundation double crochet straight away so I'm going to create the content that I wanted to within that site Oh, that's fabulous, because that will save so much time. There's nothing worse than having to go on a on a search on YouTube. And it's finding the appropriate video, first of all, and then Absolutely. watching the ads, and then watching the yeah. preamble. And you think, crikey, I've lost about half an hour's worth of crochet time just finding out how to do this stitch. So, yeah, I think that... Oh, and actually, were they talking in US or UK terms? I don't know. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. that's going to be one ele- <clears throat> sorry that's going to be one element of it 
and then there'll be access to my back catalogue so all of the patterns that I've already created are going to be in there and I'm going to build up a library of tutorials around those as well um, and then just really see where that membership site takes me that's really exciting yeah, um, and I'm going to bring all of the uh, I'm sort of very well known for my mystery crochet alongs so being able to host those in a specific place not only allows me to add a lot more video content to go with them so getting people really helping people through the stages of those um but also it allows people to engage in them without having to engage in social media i think there's a growing number of people myself included to some extent that don't want to spend as much time on social media as perhaps they are they'd like to get away so if you're going and visiting someone's facebook page to um in, interact with people around a crochet along you have to log into facebook mm. so you have to deal with that noise the visual noise and the video noise you know of facebook and I feel that less with Instagram, but there is still a noise associated with it. And again, it's time, isn't it? Mm. It's a massive time suck because before you know it, you've watched 17 reels and you're down some kind of Instagram rabbit hole. Whereas if you're going to a dedicated crochet place to find out the crochet things and to talk crochet, you're going to be much more likely to get back to your hook and yarn, I think. Absolutely. So that's the rationale behind it. And that's the next thing on the list how marvelous well of course there's and there are people who've never ever even gone down the social media path in the first no. place so I, I imagine there's a huge audience of potential audience out there who you know would miss out on anything that's put in facebook groups or, or whatever as well for for crochet and things and even people who have that are on social media and have found me there and have followed me they don't get to see the content I'm putting out I put out all of these tutorials every week but the algorithm doesn't share them to people you know I'll, I'll put out a tutorial and I'm currently at 17,000 followers on Instagram which isn't huge but you know it's 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 good I'm happy and it might show to a thousand people two thousand people and but people have asked to see it you know they've said to instagram i'd like to see what this person does but they don't get to so being able to host it somewhere where if you want to see it you can see it is it's going to be really helpful i think uh, i think that's a fabulous idea really it's a direct route into you isn't it without the noise yeah and hopefully it'll be really fun. I think, you know, my the people um, who buy my work and who join my crochet logs, they're fantastic. It's, we have so much fun on them. So I think just a place for all of these people is, is going to be really nice. Oh, that's fabulous. Well, it sounds like you've got a really interesting future lying ahead of you after a fascinating past that you've been uh, been telling me about. That's wonderful. And uh, another thing, actually, I picked up when I, when I was looking into your backstory was the fact that on top of the inclusivity, uh, you're very keen to give back and um, support charities and various 
charitable organisations along the way. And I think that's so important. There are so many small businesses that are able to do that kind of thing that the big conglomerates can't. And that's really valuable. It's, I mean, it's always in small ways at the moment, but as, you know, the business grows, it will get bigger. But yeah, you know, it's all, it is always in small businesses doing this sort of thing, isn't it? The, and it, it's not something I don't like to talk about my charity work. As the, what was that? that was an old sketch show, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, Smashy and nicey. That's right. <laughs> that, that was that will show my age. Um, it's just something that's always been a part of my life. Is that you go out and you find you find charities to support and and just give a percentage of what you can really um and if I can't give it in money then I can give it in time if I can't give it in time I can give it an encouragement it you know it's there's there's more ways to help than just financial yeah that's wonderful and so important really I think have we seen I mean maybe it's because I'm blinkered by the people that I follow on Instagram and that but I really feel like there's a there's a real movement towards caring and compassion because there's so so lacking in many parts of the world that we live in and, and the various social media channels that that we we watch and it's so nice to see people actually remembering their humanity and doing nice things for people and caring <laughs> yeah I think it can be a really nice community there's you know there's definitely more we can always do as a community to be more inclusive and more caring absolutely um and we can only try our individual best on that as well I think um but I do try and I do genuinely care um and I I do want everybody who crochets to be welcome into my spaces oh I need some people who don't crochet I don't mind (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's wonderful, Joanne. Thank you so much for your time this morning. It's been uh, it's been great to hear your story, and I look forward with interest to see uh, see what the future holds for your hub. Oh, thank you very much. It was so nice to speak to you, Lindsay. Thank you. My thanks to Joanne for speaking to me for making stitches. And as I mentioned, since we had our conversation, Joanne has now launched the Crochet Project Hub. It has wonderful resources to help you improve your skills, opportunities to take part in crochet alongs and mystery crochet alongs, as well as a way to connect with other crocheters away from social media. There are patterns for all skill levels from beginner to advanced and there are video tutorials too. Now, I have news of an exclusive offer just for Making Stitches listeners. If you'd like to join the hub yourself, you can enjoy a special listener discount of more than 50% off the first three months. If you enter code HUBINFO, that's H-U-B-I-N-F-O, all in capital letters, you can enjoy access to the Crochet Project Hub for just £2 a month for the first three months. After that, it'll increase to the normal rate of £5 a month. That code again, HUBINFO, H-U-B-I-N-F-O. In other news, there's now a Making Stitches newsletter, which will include all the latest information about podcast episodes, as well as subscriber offers and news about the Making Stitches shop as well. Just click on the link in the show notes to subscribe. 
Thanks so much for listening today. I'll be back again with another inspiring maker story for you in two weeks' time. Next time, I'll be sharing a chat I've had with Sally Wilson from Caterpillar Cross Stitch. Until then, do take care and enjoy your crafting. <music>